The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Your questions answered tonight on the program all evening long. Trouble Tuesdays, that's what we do. 514-800 to text in. You can call in at 514-790-0800. You can also email me anytime during the week to laurie at drlaurie.com. You can ask questions. You can comment on some of the emails or questions that, that I get. Maybe I've forgotten an angle or I didn't look at something and you want to add to it or your own experiences, please feel free. But before I get to the questions, I want to give a big shout out to the Dawson students of the social sciences department. They put on a wonderful sexual health fair for all the students. They did an amazing job. This was their uh, their school project. I was uh, very impressed. They invited me to give one of the uh, to give a lecture there, which I did one on sexual health. Uh, myths and uh, really well-informed students, I must say. Great questions, great participation, and a great, great initiatives. So uh, I, I have to say, I was very, uh, very impressed and love to see students who take initiative with uh, teaching sexual health because you need education throughout, especially uh, by the time you get to CJEP when you are more likely to be sexually active and more likely to need to apply some of the things that you've learned, but you forget because when you learn them younger, sometimes you can't relate to them. So uh, definitely where you have to keep uh, reminding and um and reteaching and, and learning new new aspects of sexuality and all the things they don't talk about in uh, in high school, for example, pleasure and things like that. So they have a, they had a lot of questions. I had a list of questions that I didn't manage to have enough time to answer for them. So uh, some pe- some of the students may be listening and getting their questions answered uh, tonight and throughout the week. So I, I, I let them know. Uh, so thank you for inviting me. I was very honored to be part of it, and congratulations again to the uh, doctor. Austin students of the social service department there. All right, question by email. Have you seen this new men's G-string penis sleeve thong? My girlfriend got me one for my birthday last week. When I found out how much she paid for it, almost $200, I was surprised but appreciative. Uh, Do other women buy gifts like that? So it's not really something I would consider buying. I don't think my partner would ever want to wear a man thong. Um, and I'm not actually sure what this is. Are you talking about the, uh, uh, keep your penis warm sock for like, like a sock for your penis? Or are you talking about uh, the strap on? Because what I, there is this sleeve for, to increase a man's size, not actual, but where uh, um, a man puts his penis inside this larger cylinder in the shape of a of a penis, which is then which is strapped onto them so that they can penetrate with that. But their penis is inside another thing, uh, so it would make their uh, member longer, bigger, whatever. But I'm not sure how the person wearing it 
get sensation, whereas I know that the receiver may re- gets to receive the the sensation of having um, a bigger penis inside their orifice. But uh, I'm not sure how the uh, the sleeve works to provide uh, stimulation for the wearer. But that what that I've seen. It's 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 not a strap on exactly, which a strap on may be used by, uh, for example, lesbian women. Uh, this is really a sleeve where you, you, a cylinder that you put your penis inside of. All right. Uh, other questions? Uh, let me see. Where do I have them? Uh, my partner wants sex more than I do multiple times a week. I only want it once a week. What can be done about the frequency and to keep the relationship alive? Uh, so what you don't want is to develop, um, uh, develop resentment towards a partner. You don't want to feel pressured. So this, this conversation needs to be had. Very few couples really have a completely matched libido from the day they met till the day they break up, like in long-term relationships. So there's always going to be times when libidos are uh, mismatched, which is why talking about this is really important. And um, a healthy relationship involves uh, compromising and negotiating. So if uh, you want it once a week, your partner wants it uh, four times a week, compromise and try to do it twice a week. You know, sometimes we, uh, we may not feel like it, meaning we don't, like, we don't feel, um, that we have that much desire for it. But once we get into it, we, uh, we, we get all the benefits, right? You get the pleasure, your desire kicks in and, and what have you. So you may not like have that spontaneous desire. Ooh, I really, really want sex tonight. But if you engage in sex, it'll, it, it you'll still get, get something from it. So sometimes we do it because our partner wants it, uh, even maybe more than we do, but we still get the benefit. If it gets to a point when you think and you feel that you're doing it uh, becomes like a chore, then that will ruin it. And, uh, and then you, that's where you grow uh, resentful. A texter writes in about the, uh, the, the thong for guys. They are worn on the beach. Which beach? I have yet to see uh, a thong-wearing male uh, like with a, a, a sleevey thing for his penis. I've not seen that. I'm not sure I would want to see that either. Um, STIs can be transmitted via bodily fluids and physical contacts, but what about toilet seats? So as far as I know, you can't really get something off a toilet seat. Toilet seats are not touching your genitals. That's number one. So uh, usually there would be some genital touching, so, especially for we're talking about the skin-to-skin um, uh, sexually transmitted infections, right? In terms of the other ones, which are bodily fluid, uh, obviously you're not going to sit on a toilet seat that has bodily fluids on it. That would be just plain gross. Uh, so you wouldn't do that, but they, uh, you need an environment for the, this to breed, right? That the infection also to, to breed it often needs a, a, a moisture and, and, and that's, and to the air, once it's in the air and it's exposed to the air for a prolonged period of time, uh, it pretty much dies out. So, uh, I really, I highly doubt you will catch anything off of 
a toilet seat. But nonetheless, don't sit on a public toilet seat. Learn to squat, put wipe it down, put toilet paper around it, and that's it. Uh, that's what we should all be doing, just just because it's public, right? Um, do you think that calling consent sexy is undermining a basic human right? I'm not sure what you mean by that, but I think the whole idea of calling consent sexy is to make it so that it is appealing to everybody because, and I had this conversation with the students today about, uh, about making safer sex sexy. It's the same thing with consent. Like we have to be able to bring it as part of the conversation. So calling it sexy is a way to make it appealing and less awkward for us to be discussing sexual consent in every uh, sexual encounter. I don't think this undermines a basic human right, um, but it makes it more uh, palatable or I don't know what the word is, but it might make us more likely to talk about consent in a more natural, fun way. When we think of sexy, we can also think of fun uh, rather than it being like this huge uh, conversation, right? Uh, next question answered uh, is about homosexuality and homosexual sex somebody wants to know about. So that's coming up. We strip away the stigmas every night with passion on CJAD 800. Your sex questions answered tonight and your comments received as well at 514-800. And this person comments, and I did not make this up, but thank you. You can have great sexual arousal by reading Dr. Lori's book. It would it will help increase your sex drive and probably desire sex more than once a week. Well, that's very sweet. I, I hope that my book... Uh, did that for you. That's great. And for those who don't know, my book is called The Sex Bible for People Over 50. Uh, so this uh, text writes, speaking of strap-ons, how do they work? Do they attach to all dildos? Would it be safe to use one with anal sex? Could it spread bacteria if my genitals touch my partner's backside, if I peg him? Also, what is a plug? So, um, Strap-ons. Strap-ons basically are, uh, generally speaking, the not the one that the sleeve, but there's two different kinds. There's the sleeve where you insert your penis inside of it, and usually uh, that can be used by men who have, uh, like, who can feel they have very small penises, and they can use this to enlarge it. I mean, not permanently, but just for the sex play. And then there are those strap-ons that are attached to uh, a phallus, like a, a dildo, and you strap it on, it attaches to your waist or, or, or what have you. So I don't think, I think they come with it already attached, but Listen, I'm no expert on this sex toy, so I've I've seen the ones that have it attached, so I don't know if they come with 
others where you can attach your own dildo to it? It might be. I would assume uh, it would be safe to use with anal sex. People use them for for anal sex and and vaginal penile uh, sex as well. I would recommend you put a condom on it, first of all that you don't share sex toys unless you take off the condom, put a new condom on. Um, I, I don't think it could spread bacteria. If your genitals are touch your partner's backside and not their, uh, like just on their back or what have you, then it's not something that, that I would worry about. You clean that up and, and that's all fine. And what is a plug? So a, a you're talking about uh, a butt plug. Basically, butt plugs are these like um, uh, small, let's say, dilators with a, they come in different sizes and they have, make sure whatever it gets inserted in the anus though has a, um, like a stopper. Okay. They have to have a stopper because believe it or not, your rectum can swallow something. Uh, that sphincter muscle can be strong and swallow something. So you can you, you must have a stopper on the end and, and the butt plugs you buy in the store do have that. They come in different sizes and they are used to stimulate, uh, the inside of the anus because there are a lot of nerve endings there and, and a lot of people, men and women alike, uh, enjoy anal play. Not everybody, uh, does, but, uh, for some, uh, yes. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see what else do we have, but what exactly do homosexuals do when they are having sex? So, uh, homosexuals, so gay men will engage in anal oral sex, mutual masturbation, rubbing, just about anything really that, uh, I'm sure there are other activities I don't know about that, that, that are engaged in, but as long as it's safe and consensual, then, uh, then pretty much anything goes. But a lot of people assume that, uh, homosexual men's preferred way uh, of having sex is anal sex, but the studies show that the preferred, uh, uh, sexual activity is actually oral sex. As for, uh, to women, also oral uh, oral sex penetration using a dildo or using a strap-on, mutual masturbation, rubbing uh, genitals together, etc. So this is uh, what it is. Uh, there's a, a post going on, going around Facebook that shows two guys wearing them. Oh, send me the link. Uh, you're talking about these... Uh, uh, what the strap on thongs they are walking around in public apparently on a beach i want to see that <laughs> send it to me um <laughs> lol i thought the stopper was used to stick on surfaces like tables or bathroom tiles like a suction cup uh no it's just so that the item that you're sticking up doesn't get lost and i have to tell you that i have uh, attended workshops by, um, emergency room physicians that have shown pictures of things that get lodged in the anal rectal cavity, uh, from people like playing with things because they want the stimulation and they've, they've been lost in there, like lost. So don't put anything that isn't meant to go in there. There have been 
uh, food items uh, lodged in there. And not just that, they can get into your um, stomach cavity and it's like your intestinal area and it's bad. It has to be removed surgically. I've seen a a light bulb, a Coke bottle, uh, I mean, all kinds of items uh, shoved up there. Nothing should be shoved up there. Let's just make that clear. Uh, There are sex toys for that purpose. So go out and get something that is uh, safe and will not harm you, okay? Uh, How can we control our fear of rejection so that every move we do is with consent? So uh, I'm not sure how the two go together here. First of all, rejection is a normal part of life. Everybody gets rejected at some point. You have to expect rejection. It's not the end of the world. People say no, and they're allowed to say no, and it's okay. So you will most likely get rejected. Each and every one of us will most likely get rejected. But that does not mean we don't go and ask for consent for anything, right? You've got to ask for consent to kiss somebody, to touch somebody, and so on and so forth. So um, if a person says, no, please don't touch me, uh, then you respect them. And yes, you might get rejected, but it's not always a rejection of you, but of the activity. I'm not ready for that, or I don't think this is appropriate for now, or what have you. What comes to mind right now as I'm, as I'm saying this is a very benign kind of thing, but I remember so many, many moons ago dating, um, like a first date with somebody and the person who I turned out was not, there was no chemistry or anything, but turned out he wanted to hold my hand. And I was like, whoa, you can't just grab my hand. Like I'm, this is icky for me. Like I don't feel it. So grabbing my hand without me feeling it didn't feel good, but if it was somebody I was connected to and they, and they, um, or at least they asked me, I'd like to hold your hand. I think I would appreciate that more. Uh, so that's just one way like that things get uh, negotiated, but rejection does happen. It just does. So we have to be that that's part of, that's just part of life. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Please uh, send it along here for our listeners. I think uh, it's very helpful when other people comment uh, all there. I love this. It's better to be rejected than never to have tried at all. You are so right. If you don't try, you don't get, period. If you let fear interfere, then uh, you get nowhere. So for sure, if you're blocked by fear of rejection, you, you won't have even a chance. So better to take the chance, be rejected than not try. And you get to practice as well. So just expect it. If we expect it, if we keep our expectations reasonable, (laughs) then we don't get so disappointed. All right. Uh, at what age should you start seeing a gynecologist? So that's actually a good question because now um, family doctors, like we had on our uh, gynecologist uh, last week, and it was very clear that you, uh, family doctors are the ones who are now doing or should be doing pap tests and general wellness 
uh, exams, even gynecologically, meaning that they, so they do the pap test, they can do an internal exam, they can prescribe uh, birth control, uh, uh, you know, prescriptions, all of these things can be done by a family doctor. Gynecologists are specialists now, far more than they were you know, decades ago, let's say. In other words, they're specialists, meaning that if you have a problem, your family doctor then refers you to a gynecologist. They deal with problems rather than do wellness, uh, wellness exams, and they do, and they deal with obviously uh, obstetrics and, and and things like that. So, uh, generally speaking, you should be vi- getting at least your first Pap tests. Uh, after you've been sexually active a couple of years, they say. So uh, that was what I had uh, known. Maybe the standards have changed because they do change uh, with time. Uh, So you need to speak to your family doctor to see when should you get your first pap test. If you have not been sexual, you don't need, and anything below the belt, you don't need to get um, a pap test. But once you have become sexually active, it is important to do so. Coming up, we'll answer the question, um, what's a normal number of sex partners? Somebody wants to know, like, what's a, what's a number that is okay? Can anybody answer that? I'll, I'll leave that up to you. What do you think would be too high a number or is there such a thing or too low a number? Is there such a thing? We'll answer that. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJAD 800. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, One of our listeners, Debbie, sent me an article, a link, uh, here's why one-sided man thongs are the worst summer trend of all. I, I'd never seen this. Uh, you can see this. Perez Hilton tweeted about it. It's, it's called a half thong, uh, basically. It's, it's, it's half a thong. So it's like a, it's a it, it, it goes around one, one buttock and you're, and, and basically holds the, the junk in place to the side. Uh, and it says that men are pictured sporting them on holiday in Marbella. Uh, yeah, no, no, they're not nice. They're not nice, but I don't know. Uh, thank you for sending that. I appreciate that. I can't unsee that now. Um, all right. Uh, your questions answered tonight. Uh, would love to hear uh, some of your thoughts. We're talking about how many partners is it okay to have in the course of your life. And I'm asking you this. This is a, a question from a listener. But, uh, I'm asking you this as well. I can tell you what the statistics are. Uh, you might be surprised, maybe not. But the statistics are li- uh, average lifetime partners, average for most of us is uh, seven partners, lifetime partners. That's for most people, okay? Uh, You should have as many partners as necessary until you meet the right one, says one person. Uh, What do you think about that? Another text writes, if you are under 21 and already had over eight partners, there is a name for that, but I should not talk. I am a make 
first sexual experiences intercourse at 12 years old, regularly for three months, then nothing till I was 16. I had, I have had many partners and I love them all, still do. Uh, 12 years old is uh, quite young to be uh, to be starting, but okay, your average uh, first sexual intercourse is around 16 and a half years old. For the that's average again, so you're going to find people younger and people older. Another texter writes, "I'm with the robot guy who called last night. I want a robot man. No snoring, no passing gas, no wiping toilet seats. <laughs> if only, right?" Uh, maybe one day, but then, you know, are we going to not have partnerships, partners? What's going to happen? Uh, what's the best contraceptive? Somebody wants to know. So I can't tell you what's best for you. There are many different forms of contraception out there that are available that you need to speak to your doctor about to see uh, to see what's good for you. So whether it's hormonal contraceptives and there are a bunch, so you have to check again with your doctor. There's, um, IUDs, copper IUDs. There's an IUD with, uh, with hormones. There's barrier methods, obviously, uh, the condom there's implants. Uh, so you've got to see what, what actually works for you. So check this out with your, uh, with your doctor. How do I bring up if my partner has been tested or not? Okay, there's one for for our listeners too. How have you had the conversation uh, for testing? Before you have sex? After you've had sex? How do you bring it up? Anyone want to talk about this? I'd love to hear your thoughts. 514-800 or you can call in at 514-790-0800. I think what's important is that you you have your your boundaries, all right? So let's say for you, you don't want to have sex with someone unless you know that they've been tested. And not enough that somebody just says to you, yeah, yeah, I've been tested. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm all good. Everybody thinks they're so-called clean. Okay. But there's, unless they've had regular testing done, there's, uh, there's no way to tell unless they have some, obviously some lesion or whatever, but there's some, uh, some STIs that are asymptomatic. And so some people may think, oh yeah, I'm clean. Like I see nothing on my genitals, therefore I must be okay. Or they might think that they've always used a condom, so uh, they got nothing. But what about herpes? What about HPV, which are skin to skin um, uh, STIs? So you have the conversation. You say, look, this is my policy. Like I, I only have sex with like when you can show me that you've been tested and I can show you that I've been tested. Um, but otherwise you make sure no matter what, that you still practice safer sex using condoms because you have to worry about the sexually transmitted infections, but you also have to worry about, uh, pregnancy. A couple of texts here. Uh, I just laughed out loud. Yes, I, I'm sure you, you did. I don't know. To the thong one, I'm sure. Uh, the, for contraceptions, the best is the pill if it doesn't cause you to gain weight. For some people, it does. For some people, it causes 
also it lowers uh, their libido. So everybody reacts differently, but there are different levels of the hormones too. So you'd have to check. Some women have breakthrough bleeding. Some like you have to look at what you need. We're not all the same. Uh, another texter says seven partners in an entire lifetime. On average, that's one every 11 years. If you live to be 80, who came up with these numbers? Well, those are the statistics. So, uh, now I don't know if they're North American or worldwide statistics, but those are the statistics. Um, as a game and who, as a gay man, maybe, and who spent most of my early twenties single, it was kind of like the third question you ask someone when you're getting to know them is, uh, when was the last time you were tested? Oh yeah. So as a gay man, your Siri is, uh, using uh, autocorrect here. So, um, yeah, so that would be a, an initial question. Have you been tested? Absolutely. And I think that it should be, uh, it, it should absolutely be something that's standard in, in our conversations, just like consent should be, uh, standard. Um, another texter writes, uh, we should make it a trend to walk around with our latest STD reports. Well, I once interviewed a, a guy who developed um, an app, and I can't remember what it was, but it was a secure site, app, whatever, that had your results on your phone, that you can have access to the results through the hospital. This is an American thing, so I don't know if, I think he was trying to like get into the Canadian market for this, but where you can get tested, and then the results are there. You can share them to who you wanted to. Like it was a secure space that you can do that for. So uh, that's also, I think that's a, a brilliant idea. Uh, if I've been tested before and my last pap had abnormalities and need to go back to be tested for HPV, how can this be? Is it dangerous for cancer? Yes. If you, um, if your uh, pap test comes back abnormal, usually they do another test to make sure that it wasn't a false negative, but that abnormal simply means precancerous cells. It doesn't mean you have cancer, but it does mean that if you do nothing and you don't get regularly checked and you don't have those cells removed, that it could develop into, uh, into a cancer. So that's why pap tests are the only way really to prevent cervical cancer. So absolutely get those pap tests done. Uh, as for STD testing, just bring it up. Your partner will appreciate it. You are as clean as your last test. I agree. You are as clean as your last test. That is true because, hey, uh, how many, you know, partners have you had in between? Like, you've got to be able to do that to say when that was. Uh, next up, a question. How many times can you masturbate in a day? This person wants to know. This is Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. We still have a few minutes left to get your texts in, your questions about sex, love, relationships, or your comments. Uh, on uh, the best birth control, this text writes, The pill Diane 35 is a good pill. It also helps control acne, so that works for this person. Uh, hi, Dr. Lori. Love the show as always. Speaking of robots, are there any made for women? P.S. Uh, I'm a guy. 
Uh, I'm sure there are uh, male robots, but they're they're made in like Japan or what have you. I don't think they're very popular or they're not I don't know anybody who's looking for one over here, but I'm sure that they are made for women as well uh, as guys. Another one writes, tell your robot lovers that they won't even be able to derive a minimal amount of oxytocin from their sex machines, considering unlike humans, they're unable to emit a dynamic electromagnetic field. How right you are. Like you're missing so much from... Uh, you're missing all the human stuff, right? And we do release hormones with touch and with orgasm and what have you. Uh, So you'd be missing all of that for sure. Uh, let's see. I've had irregular pap tests at least twice. Once upon a second testing, everything was fine. How is this explained? Causing worry for nothing. Yeah, I I hear you. But just having an an irregular pap test uh, doesn't mean that you have cancer. It doesn't mean they are cancer cells or anything like that. It just means it has to be looked at. Now, there are different... Uh, I remember way back, they there were two different levels of pap tests. Like you have the regular one, and then there was one that was a, a, maybe a bit more advanced so that you probably wouldn't need the second testing. But there's a, you can get a false uh, negative, or a false rather a false positive, uh, from those tests, which is why they ask you to do it again. So nothing to worry about. Even if the test is shows abnormal cells, as long as you're getting your pap test done on, on a regular basis, uh, if uh, they, they take away those abnormal cells, there's a procedure done, colposcopy, that can get rid of those abnormal cells so they do not develop into anything. Uh, cancerous over time. And, and it takes time to develop that cancer. It's, and, and also you can have an abnormal pap test late, like 20 years after you've contracted HPV, by the way, like they, it can lay dormant in you for decades. So, uh, that's really important. So this text writes, how many times can you masturbate in a day? So I'm not sure what the question is. Can you, should you, that's good to, because, some people can do it all day long. Uh, so I, I'm not sure what the question is. As long as you, it's not interfering in your daily life, like that, that masturbation isn't your whole life, that you can go to work, you can go to school, you can have a social life, you can have a relationship, a sexual relationship with a partner, uh, then whether you do it uh, once a day, twice a day, or three times a day, as long as it's not interfering, then then you're good to go, and you're not uh, you're not harming yourself. Uh, let's see. If you don't want a steady relationship, have a friend with benefits, no strings attached. The human touch is very relaxing. Yes, the human touch is relaxing because of those hormones released uh, during touch. Exactly. Um, Those statistics sound incredibly unrealistic considering how many different partners one goes through during the seven years of adolescence alone. And merely one per teenage year amounts to seven right there. Perhaps the statistics were based on below average attractive individuals whose popularity left much to be desired instead. I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. Uh, No. Uh, But again, we're taking... Averages. Some people are with partners. Uh, how many people do you know? I know a lot of people, for example, who have have been with one partner for years. 
even starting in adolescence where they've had a boyfriend or a girlfriend for like five years, six years, 10 years. And then they've only had a couple in between and then they got married and were monogamous for, for the, for, you know, the rest. So there you go. Uh, are HPV tests available at the hospital at the infectious clinic? My gyno tells me no. Um, I believe so. I believe you can get that, uh, the test done, but again, you don't, well, I'm not sure what the, the whole HPV testing where it's at now. So I'm going to send you to a website that I think would be helpful for you is, uh, hpvawareness.org. hpvawareness.org is where you'll find, um, information. Are bumps on a penis normal? So are bumps on a penis normal? What kind of bumps are we talking about? Uh, if they are hard bumps, they could be warts, which could be an indication of a sexually transmitted infection. Are they skin tags? Skin tags are kind of little flappy pieces of skin uh, that are... Uh, they're nothing. They're, they don't come from a sexually transmitted infection. We, they, they often come from, uh, they often appear on parts of our bodies that rub together, like under the armpit or what have you. So that's, uh, that's very possible as well. So those are nothing to worry about, but if you don't like them, uh, you could have them uh, removed quite easily. So, uh, but otherwise I don't know what other bumps, uh, you might be talking about. Another texture writes, uh, some people hit a home run on the first and stay together for a lifetime. Yeah. There are a lot of people who've had only one sexual partner more than you would think. Uh, so that's uh, still happening even today. Uh, why do humans have pubic hair? Hmm. I, I would ask why do humans shave off their pubic hair? I imagine that if the pubic hair, if we all have it, it's got to serve some purpose. And the only purpose I can think of is to, uh, protect, like to have a, um, I guess a, like a filter acts like a filter for bacteria and such. So that's what I believe is the use of pubic hair. Now I, I, I remember reading that there is more HPV uh, infections and ever before. And there was a theory or hypothesis that it had a lot to do with, uh, taking all the hair off, uh, in your pubic area, shaving it all or lasering it all off or, or what have you, because now you have direct contact to skin and remember HPV skin to skin, uh, same with, uh, with herpes. So that makes a lot of sense to me that that would happen. So it, it, it acts as a filter and some level of protection, great level of protection. I don't know, but at least some level of protection. Remember, you can send in your questions to me, uh, anytime, anytime, day or night. Oh, of course, I'm not answering them day or night, but I will answer them on air. Uh, send them to my email to Lori at drlori.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E at D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E 
www.thepowerofpositivityradio.com. Uh, thank you so much for spending your time with us. I always appreciate talking to you, and uh, I'm always happy to uh, be able to help, and I hope I can be helpful uh, to you. Uh, thank you to our technical producer tonight, Brian Callisar. And uh, uh, thanks to all of you. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Petito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Mm-hmm.